Welcome back for another riveting episode with your two O and two podcast co-hosts. Jack, it has not been the start to the season we imagined, but there has been quite a lot of movement today. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to discuss what happened today. Uh, we are being joined by someone who was not directly involved in a lot of the, the happenings, but was involved in quite a tight game this past week that came down to Bill Belichick convincing a new play. Anthony Kammerer, welcome back to the show. How's it going, guys? And I was involved. Uh, you know, Conrad and I tried to make a trade this morning, and I got stuck in a two-hour meeting. I get out of said meeting, and uh, the face of the league has changed. The the, the face of the league always changed. I, I think that you had to shift through, like, a bunch of uh, ads and drops of, like, random guys to find the bombshells. That's 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 Biden's America, though, and that's where we find ourselves. Um well, guys, uh, I'll get right into it. Um, we'll we'll start with the trades that we've experienced since the last podcast. If you remember, we recorded a bit earlier last week, so we were not here for Metcalf's trades. But um, to set the scene, Metcalf decided around this time last week to trade Josh Jacobs and Zay Flowers for DeAndre Swift and Jalen Waddle. Jack, would you let us know what happened after that? So I walk into the living room, or wait, Riley walks into the living room and he starts yammering about the trade and he did it while I was playing Dark Souls and he was outside smoking a bowl. Um, And so I decided that I really like Zay Flowers. I think he's really good and I wish the Chiefs had him. so I thought it would be a good idea to throw my hat in the ring. And I was like, well, who do you want for Zay Flowers? And he was like, if you give me Jamal Williams. And I, being a savvy fantasy owner, as I'm sure is soon to be discussed, thought that that was a great trade because I think Jamal Williams is not a good football player. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Kamara's back. And then if y'all have been paying attention, they drafted Kendra Miller in the third this year, who started off injured. And would probably be the running back behind Alvin Kamara, especially as we get farther into the season. So I thought it was a good value. Um, Jack, it sounds like it sounds like Metcalf kind of sought out this one up. He kind of came to you, gave you the offer, and you're like, okay. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was like going to be great for me. Um, and I just kind of took that and ran with it. And obviously, in hindsight, I won the trade just because Jamal Williams got injured. Um, but, you know, I think with even out the injury, it would still be good value. I mean, Zay Flowers is very, very good. Odell Beckham Jr. is going down. Um, I mean, it's just going to depend on game script, honestly. But not sure if you'll watch the Baltimore um, Bengals game, but 
they were looking to get him the ball in the red zone. Yeah, so like, they were. I, he couldn't get in, but they were f- trying to feed him. Yeah, so I think he's just he's the guy um, in Baltimore right now. Obviously, I think Rashad Bateman's cooked. I think Nelson Aguilar is, you know, Nelson Aguilar, and then Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers just operate in essentially different time zones with like both their skill sets. So. I'm not worried. I think he's like great to have on my bench, like more than a steady bye week filler. So I'm happy with that trade, and I would redo that any day. And I'm not sure if Metcalf would say the same. But, yeah, you know, that that really worked out for you. Zay Flowers is electric. Putting aside the injury, I was impressed by that. So that was Metcalf's second trade, um, and he immediately afterwards. So he kind of wanted to do a double one up, but I said you can only do one one up. So he started a new trade, his third trade within 20 minutes, where he uh, sent the other original piece of the trade, Josh Jacobs, for his cousin DK Metcalf. And Metcalf made a big deal about it. He's coming home. He was so happy. I'm sure Telford was like, "This clown probably thinks he's got. He he's not going to one up because I'm the only one who will give him DK Metcalf." He thought he had that home field advantage. But um, sure enough, uh, 20 minutes later, I got another one-up veto request. Uh, This time, uh, Dawson and Metcalf both forgot to actually do the trade. And I was kind of wondering what happened because I don't remember seeing anything about that. They just kind of told me what the trade was. And then they texted me like 20 minutes before the game started being like, "Uh, is the trade going to go through before – before the game and sorry this was a day later they asked that the game was gonna go through before the game and i was like yeah because it takes a day to process then i looked at their rosters i was like did you guys make the trade and they thought i would just manually like insert the players on their roster so definitely a bit of a flub there i'm glad one of them caught that because they were able to because swift was playing on uh thursday night and as we know uh that ended up being a major uh contributor to metcalf's win is having swift play but, uh, yeah, all in all, Cambo, what was your evaluation of uh, the moves made here? I mean, I think that obviously looking at it hindsight 2020, you know, the Jamal Williams injury happens. But I think you got to ignore that in general. I'm a little higher on Jamal Williams. I did think uh, interesting with, you know, Kamara's coming soon. And I do think Zay Flowers by the end of the season is going to be a standout wide receiver. I don't think he'll be a Justin Jefferson level or anything like that, but he is going to be a good receiver. And you look around, I don't know what to think. Okay. This is my issue. I'm, this is my issue I've been having, and this is kind of with our trade talks this morning. I don't trust anyone else in the AFC West. So I wouldn't touch Josh Jacobs, but – Oh, God. Metcalf is home. Metcalf is home where he belongs, and I think for that reason alone, good trade. Good trade. Well, he's not because the trade was one-ups. Yeah, it was one-ups. It got one-up. Oh, my God. I'm getting lost in all these one-ups. That was the fourth (laughs) trade. So so you're you're living in Telford's reality where he thought Metcalf would be home. Uh, What Metcalf ended up doing was – he, w- he dealt the original players he was going to deal, plus the droppable Kadarius Tony, And he got Jamal Williams, which we all thought would be a big addition. Um, he still ended up getting Waddle and Swift. And we all know what happened to Waddle, but Swift ended up going off. I see, I see. Misreading the uh, 
ESPN having all these things saying processed and accepted it's goofy. really throws everything off. Like, just say declined. But whatever. Whatever. We live on. I guess I don't know ball either. <laughs> so before we get into this week and its games and its trades, I want to talk very briefly about what went down on the waiver wire. Um, there were a few uh, moments for sure. Um Okay, I just realized that Noswad bid $30 on Jordan Love. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone else made a claim for Jordan Love. Uh, I, I was wondering why Noswad was so excited about it this morning. I was like, oh, good, good job. You picked someone up off the free agency. But okay, I'm now seeing that Noswad paid uh, $30 more in Fab than he needed to to get Jordan Love. Um, so I'm just making sure this is a. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what happened. I don't know where you got that number from, but that happened. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. As Dawson said, could be the an all time keeper. Noswad uh, did that this year with Ju- with Justin Fields. Justin Fields oh. can't throw a football to save his life. Yeah, the so Chicago bad. Bears organization is a mess. You're looking at everything, and personally, I like Jordan Love. Rooting for the guy, Me too. you know. I don't want to see him do bad. I do think the NFL is better when Green Bay is good, which they have been since the days of Brett Favre and pretty much for the entirety of the history of not just the NFL as we know it, but pre-AFL merger. Green Bay has pretty much always been good. But what I'm seeing here is we're worried about keepers in week two. Yep. Which, you know, that's going to suck when Jordan Love – gets injured for four weeks and he drops him. He spent 30 bucks on him. And then Kistler's just going to grab him again on week 17 and have a new keeper. And, and Jack, we can talk about this in a bit. So don't necessarily jump in with what you were saying about Puka. But in my opinion, hearing people talk about their keeper for next year in week two is like, I had forgotten this was a thing until my office draft happened. And I remember that people who don't play fantasy a lot still think like this. People were skipping over people were letting talent slide down because they said oh well i don't want that i already have two guys on week five bye or something like that like that is so stupid to be thinking that you will even have those same players to think that injuries will happen and even if you have the exact same core that you drafted there's nothing wrong with having one week where a lot of your players aren't going you're not going to win every game it's probably going to be for the better so to me that is hedging for the future, and we should be living in the present. It's a big reason why I don't believe in um, – I was in a league that used to um, – You can't be doing buys. You, you can't be paying attention to that. And, and I was in a league that used to allow for future draft pick trading, and I'm talking like three years in advance draft pick trading. And it, w- it was just ridiculous because it's like – I it, it feels like it doesn't create a level playing field at all because people are – like someone is taking advantage – someone is just selling out their future to be able to be really good now. And then it's like, okay, I don't want to be an idiot like this person is, but like they're getting an unfair advantage. So anyway, I'm very against that kind of thinking. I believe in living the present. But this last thing I'll say about the waiver wire, um, I also will shout out my own $13 Matt Burita pickup over Cambo. Uh, I don't know how that will turn out, but I might have to start him this week with uh, Eckler looking unlikely to play. Um Campbell also put in a $13 bid. But the biggest news was uh, Riley Metcalf spent uh, 86 fab on Jerome Ford. 
What was your guys' instant reactions to waking up this morning and seeing them? I was pissed I didn't get them. Um, but then once I saw that you would have got them regardless, I was a little bit happier. Um, I was I was elated with Riley's decision. It was a great choice. I think, you know, I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go in on Kissler for a little bit. You don't get points for fab at the end of the year. It's gonna be week nine and you're gonna have like seventy fab left and then you're gonna look at the free agent waiver wire and be like, Oh, I guess I could spend ten on the Skymore buy fill in. No, you send it on the guy who is guaranteed like fifteen touches a week in a run heavy offense with a great O line and you just go and get your guy. Especially if you're the dude who just lost Nick Chubb. Like, and and oh my also, God. I mean I mean and he is he has been thrown on a lifeline. The first step of what needs to happen has happened with the Cam Akers trade that just happened a couple hours ago. But Cam Akers the same week is the surprise healthy scratch, which was someone that I think all of us were a little hesitant to draft because we've seen issues with that in the past. But my goodness, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, Adam. I uh, on Adam is the idea that I mean bidding forty dollars for Jerome Ford. I don't know if he thought that was like an aggressive bid compared to what people would do. I I think it was funny seeing like uh, Joe and Cambo bid like 21 on Jerome Ford, like as if they would even matter. Like obviously someone's going to go kamikaze on that. Um, But, but yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, and it's also, it can definitely be frustrating. I remember last year, like it's not like I have to worry about anyone's team except for mine, but still like seeing Tamke finish last year with a hundred dollars in fab. It's like, you do realize like, that if you just placed bids on the guy that everyone was placing bids on, you could have probably gotten you could have gotten the biggest guy that year just by doing Fab once. So it's it's dumb to worry about saving Fab. Although I will say um, I'm happy that I haven't spent 76 in Fab, even though I was prepared to. Uh, Jack, that was another another. Uh, were you surprised that I bid the exact same amount that you did? I w- I was a little bit. Um, I did 76. Thank you. Someone might be. 70 something and I was like okay I that was I topped out at what I wanted to give um I thought I I thought I had him if I'm being honest yeah I I I made I finally I was at I was at 69 for Dishay I was like even if I bid too much I can still be like well at least I bid 69 so it'd be funny for the boys but then I thought about it and I was like man I think someone is gonna say I'm willing to bid three fourths of my fab for this person, so I bid one more dollar than three fourths. And uh, you know, I, I had a feeling there might be someone who's just willing to just nuke it all. And sure enough, that did happen. I, I wouldn't have spent eighty six, even if you told me I needed to spend exactly eighty six to get Jerome Ford. I, I honestly wouldn't have done it. Like that ten does make a difference for me because seventy six was as high as I was willing to go. So all things considered. Um, I just, uh, my reasoning for the 21, one, I kind of felt like Kareem Hunt was coming back into Cleveland no matter uh, what. Don't, don't get me started on fucking Kareem Hunt. I'm so, <laughs> here, I'll start your, here, say your piece, Cameron. Deshay's got him, and, uh, you know, Deshay basically got a free waiver wire pickup that he held for two weeks, so we'll see how that goes. He saved fab money on Kareem Hunt, but, uh, the other thing is, I watched this happen. What was the uh, oh the year uh, Christian McCaffrey went down and Christian McCaffrey and uh, 
Saquon went down in the same week. And yeah, everybody. I, I remember that. Everybody picked up the Giants backup running back and was like, this is going to be the guy. True. When it was actually, uh, now I'm blanking on his name, Miles what for the Panthers. Now he's on the Falcons. Miles Sanders? Not Miles Sanders. Who was that? The Oh, my God. This is bad. I am not showing my uh, ball knowledge right now. We're going to have to cut this? <laughs> are you thinking of Matt Breida? Who are you? No, no, no. Uh, are we talking Shane Vereen here, Anthony? <laughs> no, no. He was really good. He was on waivers. Who was the one guy that like fell into the end zone accidentally in the Super Bowl? Uh, that was Shane Vereen, I think. Go to uh, running dude, we might we might have to cut this. This is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> no, we should, we should cut this. I, I agree, Jack. Okay. Please he cut was, this. He was a he was the Panthers running back, backup running back to McCaffrey. Oh, oh wait, uh Williams. Williams something. Mike Williams not Mike Williams. It was uh oh my God. Well now well now I won't have to cut this. Let, yeah, let's I know. cut this and then Camel can just you can pick it up from like the year that we all thought it was gonna be one guy, but it was the other guy. Yeah, I know. I just want to. D'Angelo Williams. It was D'Angelo Williams. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. He's too old. Really? Oh wait, no, no, it wasn't D'Angelo. Williams. Oh, oh, Devon. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're you, Devonte Freeman, dude. No, no, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Devonte Freeman you're talking about. McCaffrey Not, backup, no. running back, Panthers. Chubba Hubbard? I, not I'm not Chubba Hubbard. Hubbard. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> what year was that? I found a I found an ESPN article from September 2020 that says with Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey out, who's up next? Yep. Um, Barkley was lost to a torn ACL. McCaffrey has a high ankle sprain. Is expected to miss multiple weeks. I'm pretty sure you're thinking of Devontae Freeman. No, McCaffrey will be replaced by Mike Davis. Mike Davis. I was, I was trying to say Miles Davis, and I knew that was wrong. And, Cambo, you, you know why that's relevant? Because the game that he went out, he got a touchdown on a seven-yard run and went off the field limping, and then Mike Davis came in for the rest of the game and had eight catches for 74 yards. Afterwards, current Nebraska coach Mike Matt Rule said he's been high on Davis all training camp and said he's a good player, he's made good plays, he's a threat out of our backfield. So that's a very relevant example, actually. Yeah, okay. I, li- I li- and he had a, he ended up having a good season and then did horribly in Atlanta. He yes, so bad. yes, so he, bad. that's why I, I knew he was in Atlanta. But that's why, yeah. All right, we'll cut that. What were we saying? I'm probably going to end up keeping this because <laughs> please, there's a lot of co- there's a lot of context here. We yeah, all been, we all didn't know him. We're all not ball knowers here. <laughs> so, and fantasy just turns our brains into mush with oh, all these God. random players. Who knows? And like at Wait. the end of the season, everybody's gonna be like, "Who's that Rams wide receiver we picked up?" Oh, it was Puka Nakua. Like, and, oh, you're gonna that's gonna offend Jack. But and and this this should be a throwback too. Is that the two running backs they used when Barkley went down? Can you name them? For 2018, 2020, Saquon Barkley goes down. There's two running backs the Giants might be using. Who's okay, this is actually a good. Run? This is a good question. This is a good question. No research. No research. It was, Don't just tell you it was two. There were so two there guys two who, who might have gone. And both oh, were disappointments. 
Oh yeah, Gallman. Uh, Gallman yes. was Wayne Gallman was. Oh, I remember <laughs> that name. It was yes. it was Dion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. Oh, if yeah, I remember, I, I, I might have gotten a Gallman, but I'm, I would not have remembered Dion Lewis. I if know. I remember correctly, my Arkansas league was the first league that used Fab. Dion Lewis went for I think about eighty-two in that range in Fab. And I got Mike Davis for thirteen dollars. Is funny enough, and Mike Davis ended up being the better player. And now that we're circling all back, and this is starting to make sense again, my apologies to everyone. You can flame me, whatever, for not knowing you are, this. You are all good, Anthony. We none of us knew. But what happened is, is that I kind of was looking at this situation I was like Jerome Ford is going to be the Giants backup running back. Oh Matt no. Braida is going to end up being another Mike Davis and have a great oh year. My, oh my god, I literally cannot M- Matt Breida has been in the league for like 8 years and hasn't done shit besides like maybe one season in um San Francisco where he was splitting touches with him and Tevin Coleman. And That's he was the like beauty still, of football. And he was still – yeah, but he was like so long. You got to – oh, my God. I You're aware cannot, that Brita is need, Brita, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I know, but it just something felt wrong about Jerome Ford. Oh, no, my I, God. And, and, and Campbell, oh. this is the point that I'm getting to. I Basically, my, my takeaway from this was I even though I, I went to bed thinking I was going to get him at 76, I was still like, you know what? I'm not going to be mad if I missed out on this because – Ultimately, that is uh, that is just the risk we're willing to take. That that's what Fab is. You are you are you are putting it out there. It's it's not about. Oh, guess where Matt Breida was born, by the way. Where Brandon, Florida, baby. Oh God! Oh, let's go, So I need I got a spiel for a sec. This is this Kareem Hunt thing is ridiculous. They went in. He was unsigned the entire entire summer. They knew what they had. They were like, I really like Jerome Ford. They had been saying that all camp. And then he comes out when Nick Chubb goes down and he has a great game. Like he's, he I don't, why are, we, why are he looks great. The eye does not lie. No he one is trading, no, no one is trading for Najee Harris, guys. Like <laughs> there's, um, if you, if you pass the eye test, you pass the eye test. You know, that's Kareem why... Hunt knows the offense. He's a dog. He likes to pass block. They can oh throw him God. in to take some hits. No, but that's how the NFL works. I it's mean, not, it's not going to be a 50 50 split. Kareem Hunt is banged up to all hell. Look Pierre Strong up. will get more touches than Kareem Hunt, and I'll agree with you on that. But I, I think the Kareem Hunt signing makes a lot of sense for the Cleveland Browns yep. in the fact that running backs get injured at all times. There will be another running back to go out every week, and this is going to be the same thing over and over throughout the year. This guy goes down. Who's up next? Let Someone's going to spend 70 bucks a fab on him until it's the end of the season, <laughs> and then it becomes 40 Ford This is, is what happens in fantasy football. Ford and, Anthony, I agree with you completely that it's a good actual Browns move. The Browns made a great decision by bringing in Kareem Hunt. But fantasy football-wise, I am not scared of Kareem Hunt. That is not the reason to know, to not like nuke your fab if you're Adam Kistler 
and now have to go out and start Dalvin Cook, who again has looked awful. Like, Kareem oh Hunt's a vulture. He did it to Nick Chubb last year. He's a vulture. Yeah. Um, guys, we'll have to move forward. We'll have to move forward. Last thing I'll say, Jack, do not besmirch Najee Harris in front of Cambo and I because he won it against you for Cambo. <laughs> And he would have won it for me against uh, Joe once and for all if it wasn't for uh, prayers for Demar. Um, I saw a video of speaking of Najee. I saw a video of him running, and I watched the game. This thing had to be in slow mo, but he's <laughs> awful. He's awful. He I don't know what happened. He's him. No, Najee. Believe me, I owe my life to Najee. <laughs> you have a golden jacket because of him. He keeps you yes. warm tonight. I love Najee, but at the same time, what happened? He cannot run. He he gained like twenty pounds on the off season. He like has put on weight. It is Eddie Lacy. Have y'all seen Eddie Lacy highlights recently? <laughs> yeah, there, I did. There, I watched, there, there, I watched there, there, Eddie Lacy. That is Najee Harris right now. Beast mode. Okay, let's let's we gotta get to the games. But last thing we gotta talk about is the trades that went down today. Because some stuff went down. Okay. I I feel no issue airing out my private conversations. If you're listening and you don't like that I'm airing it, you can take it up with me. But I'm going to describe what was going down. Basically, I realized that Hunter Henry is has an established place on this Patriots offense. And if you want to take a chance on a tight end who has gotten 14 points both weeks, and has a path forward. It's better than most tight ends. But I have literally zero use for him because I have Travis Kelsey on my team. So I figured, well, that's a perfect shot. I don't have to like, you know, I don't really have to sell it that much to anyone. I can just say, just give me one of your bench pieces and I'll take uh, Hunter Henry. Of course, it's never that simple. Everyone wanted to turn into a whole thing. Some people, such as Cambo, uh, did not have a good bench piece to meet move. So it had to turn into a larger conversation but moving some bigger pieces. I won't get into the specifics on that. But we got, as Cal would say, we got very close on a trade. It did not happen. Um, would have been interesting playing against each other this week. But moving forward, I was in contact with Frankie. I was in contact with uh, Declan. And I was in contact with Joe. And Joe was really moving the ball forward. He really wanted Eckler. And look, I was kind of on a position where I wasn't going to move Eckler because I think that his value is lower right now than it's going to be all season. But Joe was willing to treat Eckler like a like a RB one, and I proposed. Uh, well, he was like, "What if I do uh, like a wide receiver and uh, uh, Etienne for Eckler and Henry?" And I was like, "Puka," and he was like, "I love it." And I was like, uh, "Would you throw in the Deont- injured Deontay Johnson?" He was like, "Let's do it." Uh, here's here's the thing about making trades that just make too much sense in this league. It's that if it makes too much sense, it's going to get one-upped. They're just – it's – and that's not to say that – I know some people believe that I had fleeced Joe. I don't necessarily believe that. But I will say that this trade was just a very good trade for me. I was losing very little to get a lot, and I was very excited about that. Um, but I knew in my heart of heart – like Joe texted me like two minutes after the trade was made that there was – he already had received a one-up request. And just, just – so I was I was prepared for that. In the meantime, I crafted a completely separate blockbuster trade with Will Frankie that I will not oh, disclose the details of at this time. Completely separate players, another three players or three players, would have completely made both of our rosters, and I was empowered to make that trade because of the trade I just made. I was on lunch 
I was walking to lunch and Will Frankie and I agreed to terms. I literally opened up the ESPN app to accept the trade and I got the text from Jack saying the trade had been one-upped. I, 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 you can look at the text conversations. They were <laughs> the same minute as when we said, I believe we have a trade made. Jack said, uh, you can cancel that trade. It's a one-up. So that – I'll say this. Again, I Wait, counter, 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 counter. With that – so were you about to trade players that you received from Joe to Will Frankie? No, no. I was trading a completely different set of my own players to Frankie. Oh, but it kind of affected the other trade because now you're kind of planning on having both. And I'll tell you why it affected it. And this will get this gets into a wider point. I wanted to be sure I made on the pod, so I'll I'll do this now. I'll get on my soapbox for a second. Okay, this might just see, come off as a truism, but I think it's important to keep in mind in fantasy. There are two things that really matter to your fantasy team to evaluate how good is your fantasy team. Where are you at? How are you doing? One is how you're actually doing in fantasy. What's your record? How many points scored do you have? And the other is how are your players doing right now? So like last year in one of my other leagues that I'm no longer in, I was I started the year 6-0. and And I thought my team was like limping to wins every week. Like it would be the defense would put up a lot. Or I'd get a random boom. Or I'd go against a player who puts up like 71 points. i go against a team who puts up like 71 points. So I just – I knew – that that team, even though that we were already a lock for the playoffs, I just I knew that, and I wasn't able to make a good trade in that league. I knew we weren't going to win the championship, and that's you know at the end of the day, you think that a winning season is success. But once you get into the playoffs and you get boat raced by a much better team, then it, the whole season didn't matter. So that is something that I actually feel good about with my current team. As is, is that I feel good about where the players are at. I'm happy that no one has suffered a very serious injury because we've seen a lot of very serious injuries. But the other element, of course, is that I'm 0-2, and what I'd be willing to do as an 0-2 team is different from what I'd be willing to do if I was 2-0. Um, so if I'm willing, I normally do like to buy low on players. Uh, I did that last year with Najee Harris. I ended up working out with me with Cambo and see how it works out. But I did that because I was like 8-1, and and I felt like if this doesn't work out, you know, like I, I can have some time to adjust and make a new trade. I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not in panic mode yet, but I, I cannot wait on my bets on players. I need players who have good matchups this week who are going to get the job done and who are going to get these wins. So ultimately, I pulled out of both of these two trades, and I'm sitting here making zero moves. You're starting to watch AP Ryan again? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Matt Breida? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not pretty right now. I, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But um, that's that's where I'm at, and it's, it's important to keep in mind. I think when when thinking about who you're trading with is like you know sometimes teams know that their team is better than their record is, or sometimes they know their team's worse than their record is, and that's going to affect their behavior. And I, I really think that as an 0 two team, I don't want to act out of desperation. So anyway, Jack, why don't you talk about the one up you did? Let me tell you. So I saw the trade, and I was like, I need Puka. I was like, I really don't. I, I don't care what it has to come to. I was like, I'm getting Puka Nakua. At one point, I literally offered the Garrett Wilson-Pacheco trade. I offered uh, for Puka. I was like, I was just like, I need to get him. It was unheard of. He has the most, he has more receptions in a single game than Justin Jeff. I, d- I know Justin Jefferson's involved. Well, like, Justin Jefferson has never reached 15 receptions 
I don't think Odell has ever reached 15 receptions. Tyreek has never reached 15 receptions. Like this tar- third, oh my, like 20, I think, well, 35 targets through two games is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. He has put up absurd, absurd numbers for a rookie in his first two weeks. Like this is, this is all, this is all hands on deck. I got to go get this guy. I, and I, I'm I like, was about to get him. <laughs> I'm like, Connor, you were, I know you were trying, I think you were, had a little bit of copium in your uh, chat when you were like, this is, this is a, this is so dumb. This is a keeper trade. What I got to pull up the exact quote. Cause I read it and I just, I just laughed. The only situation this isn't a fleece, barring any injuries, is if Puka maintains most of this production going into next year and Jack can use him as a keeper. Yep. So that's saying that this only matter, this is only a good trade for me if Puka is good next year as a coop, as a keeper. That is uh, ridiculous. That would that be is, correct. Uh, that would be correct. That is so ridiculous. I got a huge okay. Jack, then I, I, was like, I there's there's I I was explaining this to my coworker. I was explaining what happened. I, the reason I cannot one up this is because this went from a borderline fleece of Joe to me to a complete fleece on Joe's part of you. I can't oh, believe before Jack says anything. So I would like your take on this. What is your position on the trade? Can I can I tell how the rest of the story goes, Conrad? Okay, sure, you, sure, Jack. Why don't you tell me about how you fleece yourself? Go oh. ahead, you unemployed piece of shit. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I, so sick of I'm so sick of these. If you listen to this. The unemployed kids right now are ruining the trade market. There needs to be an absolute, like, an hour long, like, they see a trade go through, they got to wait an hour before they can text. (laughs) I had trades going, and I had a two-hour meeting, and you hear Frankie. Frankie is trying to trade. He gets thrown under the bus. Meanwhile, you and Metcalf are just sitting there. No hate, but you're just sitting there like, you know what? I got all the time in the world to research. <laughs> hey, cut on camera. Cut on camera. I have three interviews tomorrow. Let's all let's all cool it. <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of things on the horizon. I'm doing all right. Um, also, no one's forcing you to work at the sand trap, camera. I don't know why. I'm working at the. I'm working at a finish designing roads to move communities forward. Kembo's working right. 100 hours at the sand trap a week. All right, before we get personal over there, uh, the rest. I was like, I, so I initially offered Justin Jefferson for Devonte and Puka, because I was like, I think that's a great trade. But then I was like, I think I can get more. So then I was like, if we flip. I was like, I'll do the trade if you give me Etienne as well, and I'll just give you Raheem Mostert. And then I was like, I'm golden. I was like, this is this is perfect for me. Uh, and then you know, I Riley comes into my room this afternoon, and he's like, Jack, you got an absolute haul. What a you you absolutely sold high on Dustin Jefferson. I think also if the guy who got one up is the only one shit talking the trade, I think I'm fine. I like I'll, shit I'll, talking the trade, Jack. Oh, camera is. Whatever he, uh, all right. Did, did you give miss me, the me, messages after the trade went through? Give me from who? Give me some take. Oh, Telford texted me and was like, "Ah, that that was a good trade for you, man." I don't know if I believe this. I don't believe I, that at all. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> are you gaslighting us on? I'm air? not. I'm not. Telfordson will be texting in the Discord the moment this airs and was like, "Ah, good trade." Like I'll. I'll send screenshots if you so choose, but just feel free to keep talking uh, about 
this just, just, just Riley, Riley. Or, the, the, the two takes I see on the train in the chat is Telford saying Cupster will come back at some point and reclaim his role. And Correct. Metcalf saying, uh, saying Jack started 0-2 in panic. Jesus Christ. So the two guys you're citing as supporters of the trade have publicly expressed their distaste for the trade. So I, uh, I, I been, I'm just saying what I've been told. Uh, but I also I you're saying what you've heard. If Cup get, I don't don't get me started on Cooper Cup. That guy is not going to play. He's not going to play half the season. Like uh, he is. You're you're delusional. You are delusional. Oh my god, Jack. Also, uh, saying you sold high on Justin Jefferson is insane. Partially because he has. No touchdowns yet this year. Yeah, he scored up to 20 points both weeks. That's because he's freaking Justin Jefferson. He is the best asset in fantasy. He's also not as injury-prone as Christian McCaffrey might be. I think that's the one take I cannot forgive is you thinking you sold high on Justin Jefferson. The reason that Joe is not willing to budge at all is because he's like, I'm, I'm getting Justin. He feels like he's a kid in Disneyland. He's like, I cannot believe I'm getting Justin Jefferson. Puka Nakua! This guy isn't going to be in the league in two years. Okay, that we're going to have to go back on now. The dude has the most receptions through any first two games. Don't care. Are, are you, Don't care. Oh, my God. You guys are ridiculous. Jack's the guy who, like, Jack's the guy who just traded for Jeremy Lin in the 2012. <laughs> oh, my God. We've never Y'all seen that. was going to be someone special. Y'all are also just forgetting that Devontae Smith is also part of the trade. Like, it, it was not Puka and... <laughs> Travis at the end for Justin Jefferson. I'm also getting Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts plays on Monday Night Football this week. Have fun. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Well, I think that's enough of that. We yeah. got to talk about some games. That's a wrap on the trade. I think well, at the end of the day, only time will tell. I'm still uh, looking to make some trades, but just for the record, just a bit of advice to everyone. If you want to make a trade, reach out to people. Don't be just saying in the group chat, looking to make a trade and expect the flies to just come. You, you, you gotta you gotta reach out to people. People like being talked to. Can I can I share one more thing about this before we okay. before we move on? All right, Jack. You get, so, you get thirty seconds. I, it was oh your your gatekeeping comment. It was essentially like Joe wanted a third player to make it even, and I already had to drop someone for it, and I was planning on dropping Cortland Sutton. So uh, I just was like, you can have Cortland Sutton. But that's the point. That's, All right. Yeah. We... Same thing with Jarek McKinnon of the original trade. I understand. Yeah. Anyway, so it was a it was a much higher scoring week in week two of fantasy than the first week. Jack remarked on how historically low scoring the first week was. We saw some barn burners out of individual games, individual players. Um, not quite any crazy matchups. But uh, we'll start with our very own guest, Cambo, who played one of, as I said, one of the most exciting games this week. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Cambo, what were your thoughts on how that game went? It was the game of the week, possibly the game of the year. Uh, okay. The fact that the fact that it came down to, I, I mean this when I say this. By week six, I don't know if another kick will be made in NFL history. I That play, the special teams out of New England was incredible. Uh, and I remember I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I love the reverse jinx. And Shea and I get into a reverse jinx off. And about five minutes before the kick, 
I text him a picture, uh, or actually the music video to Congratulations by Post Malone. And I was like, this won me the game. It 100% just won me the game. <laughs> so then Jason Sanders gets up to kick, and I send in the Discord. I say, this kick right here decides the game. This is that. the third quarter. This is the third quarter. Miami has plenty of opportunities to kick field goals. If I knew if something happened on this kick, I had already jinxed my way into a win. The kick gets blocked, and I legit shut off my TV and go to bed because I knew I had won the game right then and there. That's got to be uh, It was a great feeling. It was a great feeling, and it was the absolute truth. What I am worried about is this Brees Hall pitch count. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what Robert Sala and the Jets are doing. We have Zach Wilson at quarterback, which I like Zach Wilson. I oh, do. Oh God, no! What? He's what are you horrible? Mean? What kind he's of team so is that? He's like he's he's offensive to the game of football. No, he's not. No, he's not. And I think with Aaron Rodgers coaching, I'm not saying he's going to be a great quarterback. Oh my God. He's not fantasy wise, not relevant. But he is enough to keep you in games, and we saw this last year with their defense. No, he's the defrauding the New York Jets right now. Oh, my God. He's so oh. bad. He's so shit. He's anyway, he's, did you watch the game? Did you watch the game? He, than Joshua you're, not, you're not letting me get to my point. If he had Brees Hall there to support him, it would be a lot better. Dalvin Cook is washed. If Zach Wilson can get some confidence with some Dinkin' Ducks to Brees Hall, the Jets would be not a solid team, but a wild card team. And Brees Hall touched the ball, what, four times? He tweets out the four footballs. Like, I don't know. I just – I'm thankful I'm a Chiefs fan because I'm looking at a lot of other organizations in disarray right now. Yep. And part of the reason why I was trying to trade with you this morning is I am afraid of what's going to happen with Brees Hall, what's going to happen with – Derrick Henry. I'm Antonio Gibson fucking sucks. He's so uh, bad. I just the one need with Antonio Gibson. Yeah, and I oh, just need so I need the Seahawks to play on Monday night football so Kenneth Walker can tear an ACL and Zach Charbonnet can shine. Oh but, come on. we're not wishing ACL tears. That's, that's off the books. I, I'm not uh, I'm not wishing, but you just I'm not wishing, I'm hoping. Um, yeah. For a for a full evaluation of this game, maybe we removed of some emotion. Um, yeah, I I'd have to think that Declan. This was you know it's one of those games you have to get. He didn't quite hit a hundred, but he basically hit a hundred. And if you're a guy like the hungry dog who's really been struggling for the past, well, really since college started, except for that one year, um, you have to think that you you if you hit a hundred points, you, you, you need the ball to bounce your way. Um, if I'm Declan right now. I'm I'm encouraged with what I've seen from Jordan Addison. I'm really excited about B. John Robinson, but I mean, and and, and I'm then of scared course, of Declan's team. And I, then of course Amari Cooper. I, I would be I would be I would be I would be worried if I was Declan. I, I think there's just there's too. We talked about that when he was on the pod last week. There's too many what ifs and some stuff like Montgomery's injury, Kyle Pitts is continuing not getting any targets. It's I don't know. This isn't this isn't what I like to see out of a team, and I'm getting very scared for Declan. Even this as an team 0-2, really bad. I'm getting this scared. This team is very him. bad. This team is awful. This is this is a bad team. 
Like, All right, really, well, really bad team. He's, he's going to come for you. Oh um, uh, yeah, I guess we we are playing this week, so you know, I I, I might have to eat some crow. You're, but, you know, did, you're about to get the standard Declan Shea text that probably <laughs> only Declan knows about. He texted me at uh three fourteen and said, "Just a reminder, there's a big difference between one and one and zero oh and two. Oh, there's okay. a bigger difference." <laughs> Between one and two and zero oh and three. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I hope that I uh, learned. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, God. Connor, uh, Connor, who? Before we go on, Connor, who you got this week? Oh, uh, I'm facing against um, the Martin City Gobble Ghouls. Yeah, oh, we okay, got a matchup this week, dude. Cole Komet, don't get me started. I I literally cannot stand a single Bears offensive player. It is the worst offense in the league right now it's no so, so bad. i was avoiding it's, i could not understand the dj Moore offseason hype joe just tried to offer me like basically dj Moore for austin eckler it's like how good do you think any of us think dj Moore is he is cursed the bears are horrible i do not want any part of that offense yeah well i mean we'll get into it more when we get to dawson's team i i did he win this week i i think no he didn't he did not um but Oh my lord! Uh, yeah, it's it's he, he, Justin Fields is so shitty. He just he, you know the running back jokes that everyone would make towards Lamar Jackson. Those should be just directly funneled to <laughs> Justin Fields. Like it is, it's a travesty in a half. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to the next game. What we got, Conrad? Yeah, uh, Camille, congrats on the first win. Our first podcast guest to have a single win. Uh, the podcast that everyone on the pod. Oh, actually, no. Metcalf was on first week. My bad. Apologies to the clown show. Anyway, we now move on to our highest scoring and lowest scoring performance of the week. The annual combine champion yet again performed with the highest score in a classic strong Tilford start to the season. He got 145 points. Frankie on the other side got the lowest amount with 68.94. Um, this is, yeah, this is really, I think, a great, a great (laughs) back and forth to show why, uh, yeah, I mean, the combine was important. It was definitely engaging and fun. Um, but, uh, uh, Telford got first and Frankie, I believe got what second. And, uh, yeah, we're seeing a bit of a difference with how things are going. I Well, why I say the combine doesn't matter is that nobody else – I just – I got to give flowers. I got to give flowers out here. Nobody else was taking Tyreek at 1-1. Nobody <laughs> was. And the, so far this has proved to be probably Telford's best pick. Even, he had a – Oh, no. Oh, it's Mike, it's Mike Evans, dude. It's totally Mike Evans. Mm, this might not last, though. Um, I look having Mike Evans in your flex is great. Before I flowers to Telford. Telford has a fantastic team. There is one issue, and I'm sure both of you will agree. His bench is so so bad. <laughs> like there are players on his bench right now. I'm specifically looking at John Mechie. There are players on the waiver. <laughs> There are players on the waiver wire that should be picked up currently, can be, press the green add button, you don't need to claim them, that are better than John Mechie. Like, this I mean, bench needs some work. The only thing that will save us from Telford so far 
is the Telford collapse, which may or may not happen, and bye weeks. Bye weeks to get him. And, you know, I guess the Kirko collapse. But besides that, he has a fantastic, fantastic team. Yeah, I mean, I, I will flowers say, to Telford. I, I know Telford will say talk about Brian Robinson. That's a great bench piece. But I, I agree mm-hmm. with Jack's assessment. That 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 bench is is something to behold. Um, and I will before before if if we're doing it, um, if we're doing Telford Flowers, I think it's fair to say that he currently has had the best keeper. I don't think anyone could possibly disagree with that. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe, I, don't, I do I, think you're right. Ridley in the 16th, but... Um, uh, I, I I honestly think Tony Pollard, just from the position they play, Tony Pollard in the... I think it was the 5th or 6th. Yeah, one of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he currently had the best value player right now. I, yeah, and especially a lot of us took just quarterbacks i know i didn't but you know whatever yeah Uh, i i would love to i would love to um have telford on eventually to to evaluate where we're at from where we are now but i mean if i'm telford right now i'm not just resting on my laurels i think that he's gotten a few very good weeks out of Kirk cousins that won't necessarily last um i think that james connor's production will not keep up um, I would trade a lot of these guys because I think he could honestly trade for a much better team, even than the one he has right now. I think Telford, if he plays his cards correctly, he could be essentially unstoppable. One of the best starts to a fantasy season I've ever seen. On the other side of the ball, uh, Will Frankie. Now look, it's 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 difficult to fathom like what isn't working for this team. For instance, everyone's talking. It's about- not difficult. Look at it. Everyone's talking about the, everyone's talking about the Puka pickup, but he got Kyron Williams for pretty cheap too. I think what like twelve fab, and now he's like Cam Akers is sixteen. Cam Akers is gone. Kyron Williams put up seventeen and now twenty five. He is a for sure smart start automatically. Beyond that, I mean, you roll with Joe Mixon, who I think will get better as the Bengals get better. Chris Olave, who looks great, even though the Saints' offense has not looked great. And A.J. Brown, who we all know is going to turn it around. So it's And then Javante Deflex is a great flex. I honestly, Telford kind of broke it down to me when we heard Fantasy Pros ranked him last. He was like, why is my team ranked so low? And I looked at his team and I was like, honestly, I, I don't know why they're being so hard on you. Because I think your team's good. Now, of course, he's lost Aaron Rodgers. That's made his team worse. But I don't think his quarterback was that good in the first place. Najee Harris looks horrible. Jack told me to draft him. I didn't. I'm happy I didn't. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I'm not saying this team looks stellar. I'm just saying for being probably right now, the consensus worst team in the league. Um, it's, it's kind of surprising just how bad they are given what, in my opinion, is a good amount of talent to compete in this league. I, I, I offered golf for Jets defense and the second, uh, like the Sunday games wrapped up, I was like, I texted him and I said, we're gonna to need to see that chugging video soon. And then I said, I said the price for Goff has gone up. Like that is that. Yeah, that, like, was, a that, good, that is, was a goofy move on Frankie's part, especially uh, someone on the pod said start Jets defense. But I said, why would you start Jets defense against the Dallas Cowboys? I get a I got a text from him that says, I just want to see how this plays out next week. And buddy, it played out. Like let's <laughs> like the Jets defense got minus one point and. 
Goff would have been your highest score by about eight. Like let's, no, let's something about oh, okay. something about waiting on uh, <laughs> on to see how things will play out is the other side is also waiting to see how things will play out as well. So it tanks you. Campbell, do you have any advice for your fellow hog? Yeah. Uh, well, I know we're da- you and I both are Dallas haters. Next time in the future, we got to learn that, you know, the Cowboys are – I I might dare to say the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC right now. You don't mess with Texas. take. You don't mess with Texas this year. Yeah, I don't like – Frankie and I have had this conversation. We don't like Texas. Uh, I do think that, I don't know, I look at Kyron Williams on the bench, and there's questions along the lines of starting Javante Williams or in the flex for me. I, Like I said, this may be my AFC West hatred, but I just don't like those teams. And that's why... I would have started Kyron Williams. Would it have done anything for him? No. That's what sucks. But I just hope that Frankie can sometimes not just look at the ESPN projections, but if you kind of look at what happened looking at his bench, Frankie just said, so-and-so is all projected the highest. This is who I'm playing. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to look in at the situation. Uh and that's kind of what I think happened here. And I hope that go on Reddit, go to r slash fantasy football. You might learn a gem or two. Oh I promise. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> In the first pod matchup we want to talk about, pod host matchup, we had Mr. Spencer go against uh, Riley's team, who we were just talking about. And it was an emotional roller coaster of a day. For Metcalf, I, I kept wondering what was going on because I, I heard a lot of complaints, a lot of this is a disaster. And, I mean, yeah, like the ship was like breaking down as he was flying it. I mean, Saquon had an incredible game, and yet he got injured during that game and it'll be announced that he's going to be out three weeks. Ayuk had a bad game because he hurt his shoulder at the start of the game. Waddle had a respectable game, but he got a concussion. And then Jamal Williams had a huge dud because he came out. The the amount of just absolute falling apart I saw on that that is the stuff that if Metcalf the difference between the win and the loss is the difference between Metcalf's mental health being good or bad and it's not because of it's not anything about Metcalf it's just about how fantasy works and it's a thing about if your players aren't didn't have a good week then you better hope your team somehow had a good week because if you had injuries and you lost that is just devastating and uh, Jack uh, you put up a respectable performance on your own side you passed the you passed the 100 floor, the infamous 100 floor. Um, I don't think any of your players really shat the bed, honestly. I mean, you really got a lot of what you wanted to see out of them, including a few positive movements by some guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I wanted to hear uh, how you felt about this uh, the second loss and being 0-2 after a, a close one to Metcalf. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it. None of my guys are injured. Uh, you know, I had a decent week, so you kind of just look on to the next one. Um, especially after this trade, my team is very, very balanced. Um, like two good run. I know everyone was clowning me for my running back room, but I definitely have a good one now. Um, you know, Justin Herbert is 
I will say, I mean, I drafted him in the fourth, so probably an overdraft, but he's playing. I mean, through two weeks, he's the number two quarterback on the season. So, you know, can't fault him for that by any means. Um, so we're just going to kind of see what it feels like to no longer have Justin Jefferson. But, you know, I like Brown's D. The only weakness is probably tight end, but, you know, I'm literally a million people could also say that. So whatever. I'm excited for the team. My bench is really nice. So I'm, I'm content with everything. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, you just look forward. No draft bus right now. Um, Garrett Wilson got eight targets, but only two catches. But then he also had a 70-yard run or a 70-yard catch and run. So, it, I don't know. It's it's fluky. Um, but, again, he was also – you can't be worried about that um, just because that Dallas defense is probably the best – I mean, if I'm being honest with both of you, it's probably the best I've seen since 2015 Denver Broncos. Um, so, you know, we just kind of wait and see. I, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I, I do, again, I think a big problem with – a big of my problems with the trade you made. And to be fair, you did get – you did break up Jefferson into Smith and um, uh, Puka at the wide receiver room. But um, it's it's definitely – yeah, it's definitely going to be a struggle moving on past, like, you know, seeing that projected like 20 points out of your wide receiver each week mm-hmm. and getting that kind of production because – Again, the yeah. one point I really do not agree with is that you sold Justin Jefferson high. I, I do think that he's going to keep producing at this clip, and when you add touchdowns... No, no, I I don't disagree that he's going to fall off by any means. Like, he's not going to fall off. He's either going to get injured or he's going to finish, like, a top-four wide receiver. But, you know, you play to win every week, and having, in my opinion, the best rookie so far in the flex spot is, you know, that's not bad at all. Um, I, we, again, we, the trade is the trade. It's, it occurred, but it, I mean, the trade honestly comes down to how well do you rate Raheem Mostert and how well do you rate Travis Etienne? I thought, I think there's a big difference between the two. Cambo, uh, any thoughts on uh, Metcalf's performance? Yeah, there's not much to say about Jack. His team's different. We'll see how it comes out. Uh, Metcalf here, he won the battle, but he lost the war. I and said the exact what, same thing to him. It's brutal. That's what sucks. You've got Saquon out. Every injury we've talked about, and now you look at it, the only, I think, bright side is is he's got George Pickens, uh, and you've got little memeable guy, which is great for the Metcalf culture. But at the same time, uh, he looks like he's going to be a decent wide receiver who can make up for Waddle or any of these guys in a flex spot even while these guys are out or injured. Uh, Kamara's coming back. That's fine. We'll see what uh, Tank Dell looks good. Thielen can have a right a good game. It's just... Metcalf is so dependent on the script right now, and we'll just have to see where that actually comes to and where it results, and if Metcalf can predict what the script writers want to do. Yeah, I also think he's dependent on uh, starting the right players. I mean, that changes a little bit with Saquon, but, like, 
Jamal Williams was not the flex play this week. I literally jumped for joy. I mean, it didn't end up uh, doing anything, but I jumped for joy when he told me he was starting Jamal Williams over George Pickens. And I was right. I literally was like, I think you're a fool for not starting Pickens this week. Um, and he was like, nah, 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 he's getting all the carries. And I was like, all right. This well, guy was out here jumping for joy. <laughs> um, guys, something happened this week that has never happened in recorded history. Mr. Tamke got that dub over my boys. And no matter what else happens, that's flowers for Tamke. Because last year, it was made to put to his attention that his boys had never beaten mine, and they proceeded to lose by 80 points in the biggest blowout of the year for me. And this year, uh, you know, hopefully it's more of a testament about where Tamke's at than where I'm at, because... Uh, 117 points is that that should be a win any week. Unfortunately, as we know, sometimes in fantasy it's not. But um, yeah, I I I certainly don't feel like I got robbed this week, even though I scored 101, which typically will net you a win as well. Because I mean, I mean, you you look at Tampke's team. Christian McCaffrey is firmly back to the place that we remember him in Carolina, where you literally every week you go in and you have a second quarterback as your running back. Literally, it's it's like it's like having Travis Kelsey at tight end, except he's probably he probably has a higher floor and a higher ceiling, and he's he's just he is if he can if Christian McCaffrey if nothing else if Tampa makes zero waiver moves he makes zero trades if his bench is trash if he does nothing else if Christian McCaffrey can just maintain this pace then he has a good enough team around him that he can beat you any week. Um yeah, I'm 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 very impressed by by uh by going against him personally. Like I, I saw things like Damian Pierce laid an egg. Tua had a really disappointing night in a win. The Giants defense got negative points and it, it didn't even matter because he was getting 17 from James Cook at Flex. He was getting 27 from Keenan Allen. He who's his wide receiver too. I mean, this is up and down, a very complete roster. He, by the way, he had the player who scored the most points this week, and Daniel Jones, Crazy Legs Jones on his bench. Uh, <laughs> Josh Dobbs, twenty-five points. Shout out, Jack. Um, guys, I, I, that's all I'll say about Tamke. I, I think that he. I don't know if you guys have anything to add, but um, I, again, I, he's, he's not someone I, I bet the house on for winning the chip because of his management style, but uh, I, he really. Whether it's if he fell backwards or if he was a little more intentional this year in his research, he really put together a good team this year. Yeah, I uh, I mean, a lot of times I would think Tanky would fall backwards into these kind of things. Um, I wasn't touching Damian Pierce with a 10-foot pole this year. Um, I don't know. It's it's just going to get him down to injuries. You know, can McCaffrey stay healthy? Can Tua stay healthy? Where do we go from there? You know, um, but a lot of good players, a lot, a lot of good players. Yeah. Cambo, uh, are you afraid of Tamke? Uh, I like two of his fantasy points this week. Didn't really do it, but I still have a lot of respect for Tua. Uh, I don't know when I play Tamke. 
If it's later in the season, I feel better about my yeah. eyes. We'll <laughs> yeah. put it that way. <laughs> I think you can leave it at that. <laughs> On my side of the ball, guys, I this is this is ultimately what 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 is killing me right now, and it's 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 a classic fantasy thing to get in. But um, in my mind, the, the hero RB strategy made sense this year with the early Eckler pick. But you really don't realize, like when you lose that hero, your running back room just becomes a disaster. Um, that watching that Panthers game. I needed less points out of Miles Sanders in my office league, and he did not give me that. Not because he wasn't involved, but because the Panthers are just horrendous. I would have them at the bottom of any power ranking I made. My God. Samaje Pirine in my RB2. I'm in running back hell without Echo. Um, it, is, it, is, it is tough out here, guys. I mean, Debo had an amazing game, and I feel really excited about his future matchups. AR15 can literally be a league winner if he doesn't keep getting concussions, and Travis Kelsey will get better. This was a very encouraging week. But it's impossible to look away from just the stain that my RBs have left on me. I, I so desperately need Austin Eckler to come back. I'm prepared for him not to be back this week. I need something else to go my way. I need to make a good trade or something because it's getting dirty, boys. And I'm, I am, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, still not feeling desperate because I like how my team's doing. I like how my players are doing. But um, Conrad. Conrad. It's tough. I think, I, think, I mean, yeah, Anthony Richardson, I'm, I'm all in. You know, I think he he's gonna be good if he, you know, refuses to actually not get hit. Um, do you want some advice of what I think? You're not gonna like it, but what I think you should do. I definitely don't want your advice because it's probably trade Travis Kelsey. But I'm not, I'm not, trade, you got you got to trade Travis Kelsey. I'm not you desperate let, yet. Look, here's why I knew when I kept Travis Kelsey. It's that if I did get desperate, I could always trade him for a haul because it's Kansas City league. He is the asset everyone wants to own. It's amazing, right? But at the end of the day, I need to hold on to him until he starts performing at the level that he needs to. And hopefully by then, my ship will be stabilized. Things will be working as they will. If Eckler ends up being a long-term injury or if things keep going poorly, I will need to trade him. I Trust me, Jack. I know that. Yeah, I mean, that would be my advice, personally. Um, but it's like, I don't... Because you feel comfortable in Hunter Henry. Uh, he's probably like top five so far this year, if not like top three. He's, he's yeah. the second best tight end. Yeah. Um, but again, you're never going to start him yep. in your flex no, spot. I, I agree. Like, so, so it's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm, All right. Let's, I, let's, let's move on. You let's, move on. I don't, need to, I, don't, I don't need to moan anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> On to our penultimate matchup. We saw uh, a game that was another blowout this week. In in a week that had a bunch of close games, we saw two major blowouts. The second one was the LQ Long Boys, who I think we have another example here, boys, of winning the battle but losing a very big war. And uh, Torty, who followed a very great bring back to the league with um, a very bad performance. Um, If I'm Torty, I, I... for, forget about forget about anything else here. I'm thinking about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You live by the what? stack, you die by the stack. You gotta let it ride. I mean, it's probably Burrow's hurt. Besides, besides possibly uh, <clears throat> Mahomes, Kelsey, that's the nastiest stack in the league that you can possibly have. I mean, it can just change your week. They can easily get like sixty combined. But then it's a little like, you know, live by the sec, die by the sec. If, I'll tell you right now, Torty absolutely hates 
Joe Burrow. He has been cursing his name constantly over the past. Why year. did he keep him after the cap injury? After the what injury? The what? He, the, oh. I mean, Joe Burrow really hurt his cap in the preseason. I mean, I, I would have. I don't even think he was that good of a keeper, but I would have ran away from that. But toward we drafted. We drafted uh, before the calf injury. No, 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 no. The preseason we drafted, injury was before. The- we drafted. We drafted after. Really? Yep. Yeah, because I was in Wisconsin during that time with Torty, and I told him. Um, I mean, I I don't think you. I would still keep. I think that's a great keeper in the seventh. I I mean, I think that's great value. Um, you can't predict these things. And, you know, the narrative was that he's coming back and whatever. But, look, I don't care how injured you are. I really – if you're going to become the highest-paid player in NFL history, if you're on the field, you go and you ball out. You do not start 0-2. Like, that is, frankly, unacceptable. Like, it does – you're not – he's not a mobile quarterback. Like, you can't even chalk it up to, like, well, he took away the run game from him. Like – Fucking sling it. Like, I don't care about your calf injury. If I'm like a Cincinnati radio pundit, I am just lighting into Joe Burrow. Like, this is ridiculous. I start burning the ships. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen from the highest paid quarterback in league history. And um, on the other side of the ball, though, despite the Bengals' struggles, uh, Adam saw a huge resurgence from T. Higgins. We got him a goose last week and brought home 25 points this week. But, of course, all anyone can really think about is Nick Chubb. Um, it's the absolute worst thing that can happen to you in fantasy. Your num- your first-round pick, out for the season. You don't get anything. I mean, it's again, I had him in my family league, which was the, is the one league that really is going well for me right now. And it was just – it was like – that's – obviously, it seems obvious, but it's just the worst feeling. It's like you don't get anything for this. It's just – you have to just drop this player now, and that's just it. You go from having the best player on your team to just not having that player anymore. You get nothing, and it it, it feels. That's great. why you you burn the fab. You just you blindly press a hundred and then just go from there. Like you cannot afford to essentially be in cap hell or essentially be in running back hell. Like it is. You will be in cap hell, but you cannot afford to not be. Like it is so bad. Oh God, that is that. I think that so far is the biggest mistake of the season, besides maybe the Zay Flowers trade. Um, Campbell, how are you feeling about the running back room of uh, Facade White, uh, Dalvin Cooked, uh, uh, Cam Fakers? And uh, uh, Sean Fucker. Wow, we're using a lot of language here. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know it's a bad sign. Dalvin Cook's picture on the ESPN app is still him in a Vikings jersey. That's how you know ESPN doesn't expect Dalvin Cook to be anything. Because they usually change the jersey. Dalvin Cook's taking a headshot for the Jets. Uh, We'll see what Cam Akers can do in Minnesota. Uh, That just happened today. We'll see. Him and Madison are going to split carries. One of them will vulture the other any given week. Two players I was avoiding this year at all costs. 
they're both so bad. Like they're not. <laughs> they're about, like I don't. You know, like oh, this brings down Madison Value, but it's like oh, I gotta go put in a waiver claim for Cam Akers. Oh, I gotta hold on to Cam Akers. It's like, dude, he's just bad. Like if you're bad at fantasy, you don't get points. Like I don't know why we. Keep... This is why I. How many times did I say this? You cannot just draft based on situation. Like it's just a situation. Eventually, if you're not good enough, a team is going to give that situation to someone else or at least split it with somebody else. And that's the problem with Madison. He is not a workhorse caliber back. You are not going to just get Dalvin Cook without Alexander Madison this year when you get Madison. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you you have to draft for talent. That's why I picked Pacheco. That's why I picked Kenneth Walker. I was like, if they are good enough, they're good enough. If they're not, they're not. Like, watch, watch the tape. You can't, you cannot keep speaking on narratives, you know, about like, oh, it's an open backfield and it's a good offense. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, if you're not good, you're not good. And it will rarely translate to consistent fantasy production. Big yeah. agree. I think these are, I think both teams right here are just, we're going to have to see how the season plays out teams is the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, nope. Not necessarily fear them, but. I'm also not going to overlook either because any week Burrow and Chase can come out of nowhere and kill you with a stack. Any week Josh Allen can drop a 35 bomb. Same with Ridley can have a 20-something bomb. T. Higgins did this week. Kittle can have a bomb, and that's why both of them, we're just going to have to see where people end up uh, and like Gabe Davis overperformed. Yes, that's the nature of fantasy, but at the same time, I think both of these teams you're looking at very big highs and very big lows. Can those highs and lows get you to the playoffs? That's a question to ask. I mean, a- yeah. as these teams stand, they cannot string together three wins against playoff caliber teams to win a championship because. And the big thing with Adam is that he lost Nick Chubb, which, again, Adam was my preseason number one, and I still felt good about it. But the moment Chubb went down, of course he's not my number one anymore. He's Chubb yeah. was the anchor for that team. All that team's highs and the lows are anchored by Chubb giving you at least 14 points every single week. And without that, I I think they're lost in the wind. I I, I don't know what tricks Adam's got up his sleeve, but he's going to need to pull something out because, again, losing that star, stud, could have finished as number one overall running back this year. It's it's. I, I feel for you, Adam. That's that, that's not on you. But we need to move. You to, know. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's time we talk about another close game. The closest one of the week, Joe. And what's interesting is is they're both below that hundred point threshold. Now, this is something you don't like to see. As someone who <laughs> scored over 100 points, Jack, you can oh, oh, yeah. You, you always hate to see this kind of thing. It's the only game this week where both teams are under 100. Uh, Noswad, uh, I honestly, you you could argue Noswad's had the second worst start to the season. Abysmal game against Frankie that he still won because Aaron Rodgers was out like for the entire game. And now, you know, 90 points is fine, but of course... The big concern here for Noswat is that Justin Fields is not working. Oh my god! I don't. I'm. I want to save time on this because you know it's just going it, to turn into something. 
Oh my God, he's so bad. He is just the worst quarterback I've seen this year besides like Zach Wilson. Like he, hey, he refuses, Wilson's pretty good. He he is like refusing to throw the ball. Like you, he has throws, and he's just scared to make the throw. And he's talking. Oh my God, don't give me. He said that coaches were. It's like what's the problem? Coaching. He had to go back in the locker room and say, no, I would never blame my coaches. Y'all just misconstrued me. I was like, no, that's what you said. And it's like, you throw a, a wobbly pass. Like, it's just, he's horrible. The mentality is bad. I think he believes he can do it all on his own. And that, like, he's more He's an Ohio free, State quarterback. It's like, he's more of a freelancer or whatever. And it's like, I don't, just stay in the pocket and make a throw and just, do your progressions. Like, it's so easy from just, like, taking the easy stuff. Like, don't make it difficult. Yep, that's that Ohio State quarterback factory. I, I have two more things to say on this team, and then I'll, I'll defer to you guys. Um, Josh Jacobs is absolutely cooked. He is, he's done for, I think, you know. It's one of these – it's kind of like the Najee thing where it's you, I can't really not start you because you are like the starting quarterback and you have been good and whatever, but you're kind of just sucking up a space here. And, you know, uh, there is potential in other players, but whatever. And also you can't rely on TJ Hawkinson getting two touchdowns every week. Like he's yeah. not going to consistently get 22 points. And if your tight end gets you 22 points and you barely break 90, I think you have some concern. No, that's, Jack, that's a good point. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, look, Noswa can say, I sat Lockett. He's going to pop off next week. But there's a reason that the K-State loving Noswa sat Lockett. Lockett got two points last week. This is a unreliable team that doesn't have a very high ceiling and has a pretty low floor. I I think it's time for Noswa to keep making those trades. Um, I would probably sell TJ Hawkinson high. I think that's this is the perfect time to trade. TJ Hawkinson, um, but yeah, I think things will get ugly for Noswad if he chooses to hold onto this team. Camo, do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking more and more at this, and I'm kind of scared for what could happen for the boat burners. Uh, everything we've talked about, and even looking at Jameer Gibbs, I gotta ask, what are your guys' thoughts on the Lions this year? I think they're good, but Dan Campbell likes to drink a bunch of coffee and overthink it instead of give the ball to his definitely second-best uh, offensive player uh, you, besides Amon Ra. But it's like, I don't know, get him in space. Like, draw plays for him. Like, Jack, give, give him touches. Yeah, what's up? And Conrad, do you guys think Lions fans, like, you know, the – the blue ski masks, they get beat this week. What? How do you think the fans affect the production of, like, Maya Monra or Jameer Gibbs? You know, PMT, I've been listening recently oh, with right. Riley. Yeah. He, they love the – they love, like, gritty, gritty football and, like, all these football things. But one that just kept bringing up is, like, before – you got you to gotta learn how to win. And it's like, this team – they just don't know how to win. They're going to get – they got all this preseason hype, and it's going to fizzle out. You know who's going to win the division this year? The fucking Packers. Packers. Or, the, or, the, or the Vikings. Every single 
I made a whole argument about this to you about the NBA, and you completely disagreed about that point. But that's neither here nor there. It's the well, I think that, culture. I think it's the NBA is much more of a player league. Okay, but. okay, I actually agree with that point. But still, <laughs> regardless, but still, so winning culture. Also, that mine was more tongue in cheek, but okay. And on to Joe Russell's team. Um, look, guys, Joe's team. You're worried about Madison. Um, but the most important thing Joe did this week was trade with Jack. He got Justin Jefferson. If I'm Joe, I am trying to trade Madison right now because, yep, I think that that Cam Akers signing, someone probably doesn't think it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to eat away. You're putting together Madison and Jefferson on a team that is currently underperforming. Um, Got to move Madison now. I'd move – I'd probably – if I'm Joe, I, I'm, I'm looking to – he, I'm, he's been trying to do D- DJ Moore off of the after the name hype. I'm moving Madison and Moore, and I'm I'm trying to pivot on here because uh, you know what, Joe? I just don't like you this week. You, you we had a trade. You betrayed me. <laughs> I, y- y- yeah, you have to hate that. I'm not even mad at Jack. I'm just mad at Joe. You know, you look at it. <sighs> Joe's got Justin Jefferson coming in, which is great. Uh, but you look at everything else, you've got a terrible... A lot of teams have bad tight end situations. Most of them aren't rostering two very bad tight ends. And that's what's <laughs> happening here. This is who I was doing with my Hunter Henry trade. Yes, and then you have Romeo Dobbs can't perform. It looks like Jaden Reed right now is the number one wide receiver in Green Bay. The Patriots can't figure their own offense out. C.J. Stroud looks scared. You bench Puka, who was last week number one target, and you bench him. You've got Khalil Herbert in the running back room. The Bears are not going to be running the ball because they are going to be down in every game that they play. That's a good point. Deontay Johnson you have a, a long time. You have an AFC West running back in Josh Kelly. Like I said, maybe this is just me. I don't trust the AFC West. I can't tell you how many times I've said this tonight. But you don't, I just you don't. don't. You don't trust an, a healthy Austin Eckler? No. They're the Chargers. Oh, oh, Chargers God. get injured. That's what they do. They've done this for since we've been alive. Since it's we've true. been alive, the Chargers get injured. They fumble playoff chances. They fumble the chance to win games. The Chargers could have an all-star squad. They could have a Pro Bowl-level team. Every player is a Pro Bowler. They would find a way to go nine and eight. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's tough out here for a Chargers fan. They are, ugh, they're they're stinky. Um, like they are just they are a bad team. Um, I mean, I'm riding Herbert. I'm riding Herbert, but uh, you know. I drafted Jared Goff for a reason. Like, I needed a consistent player in case Herbert is just not up to snuff. But either way, it was a tight one. Um, I think it came down to Monday night, if I'm not mistaken. What? It was Michael Thomas versus Hayden Hurst. Oh, yeah. And Thomas had the edge there. Hayden Hurst was not getting any targets. And then Hurst got a couple at the end. And, ooh, that's got to be a tough feeling for Noswad. But um, that was that, and uh, that was the week. So 
we move on to uh, move off the NFL for the rest of the episode. Um, we're going to have to be brief on this because we already got a lot of content for you boys. But uh, Cambo, if there's one thing he wanted to come on, he wanted to be able to uh, – sorry, guys. Frankie's trying to get this trade done right now. Uh, if there's one Whoa. thing that Cambo – Conrad, I know you probably won't like this, but I'll happily trade for Hunter Henry. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I will yeah, too. Bang my Let's line, see if we boys. can make the pieces work now. Bang I, my line. Look, it would it would literally just be a player for player. I don't. Before we go on, I don't. I know I did one today. I don't really like the trend of doing like these whole kind of fleet swaps of players. Like it makes sense in some scenarios, but if you more so, I don't like the trend how it's like you keep having to add players until you're like both trading four, and it's like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, like just no, no. slightly even out. I I kind of, I kind of agree with that, but let me tell you, I was evaluating some rosters today, trying to find trades, and you kind of do have to start trading fleets to make this <laughs> happen. It's like, what what are we doing here? Like, why why do you have this player on your bench in the first place? Oh my god! I literally, I was, I know, I was talking with Riley. I literally went through every person's team, and I was like, "This player has no reason to be on your roster." <laughs> specifically, specifically, I was looking at John Mechie the third. No reason to be there. Uh, it's just, it's bad. all right. There's a bunch of Justin Ross. Justin Ross. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Putting a pen in that, Mr. Cambo. I would like you to. Uh, I understand that you have a uh, you have a alma mater breakdown for us this week. Yeah, week four, we're looking at probably one of the best weekends in college football. I'm going to focus on alma maters as well as a couple of the other games. Uh, You have Rutgers at Michigan this week. Tamke, your Wolverines are winning this game. Rutgers is scary. Greg Schiano is a good coach. If this game was in New Jersey, I would be scared. Kembo, speaking of that, can someone explain to me how Michigan got this – worked out where they're the only team that does not have to leave their home for the first month of college football. Like why does Uh, they sign good contracts 10 years ago? That's sadly the state of college football we live in now where you sign up for your non-con schedule 10 years in advance. You hope those teams are good. Uh, Michigan doesn't play Notre Dame this year, so they're not leaving. Uh, And that's kind of just, how it happened. Even Bama was on the road in South Florida, and you saw like what happened to go on the road. Scary things happen. Like, yeah, I mean, everyone would love to be Michigan, but this happens every – why do they just, They all just come – these horrible teams line up to get slaughtered by Michigan and warm them up for their season. They get, they sell out, they're guaranteed to sell out the stadium. They oh get God. paid, and when Alabama signed that contract, South Florida was a competent football program, and they signed a two-and-one deal. Mm. And uh, – it would have been a bigger thing when they signed this contract in probably 2013. They were like, wow, we got ourselves a deal here. We get competent football out of the South Florida Bulls. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> also at 11 a.m., uh, you've got Florida State Clemson. Clemson's just, to me, I'm out on Dabo. I think Dabo has Daboed himself out of being a competent college football coach, slow to adopt on NIL, slow to adopt on a bunch of other things. I expect Florida State to win that heavily. Uh, 
as we move down the line, 2.30, you have Colorado, Oregon. It can't be denied. It can't be denied what Coach Prime has done at Colorado is incredible. It is very disappointing what happened with Travis Hunter, everything like that. Colorado's not winning this game, I don't think. And this is not because I am a Deion Sanders hater. I think what he's doing is the opposite of what you're seeing out of Dabo. He embraces NIL, the transfer portal, everything like that. And he gets results out of his kids. And I know Tampke's a hater. But at the same time, if you look at what he did with the TCU player that got injured, I think Deion Sanders might be the coach in college football that cares the most about his players and other players than anyone else. I really believe that. Interesting. He's got the juice. I mean, I know he's also like got all these transfer players, but man, he he's electric. My, let me just say, my dad doesn't really watch sports. Uh, I had to tell him that the Seattle Supersonics had left – and gone to Oklahoma City. He is like, when did they leave? Uh, and even he was, he, we got dinner the other day and he brought up Dion immediately. He was like, have you been seeing what they've been doing in Colorado? I'm like, uh, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's getting the people in. He's getting the fans. Before we move on, Anthony, do you think they cover though? It's a 20 something point spread. I don't yeah. want to talk gambling too much. Personally, unless Shiloh Sanders, not Shadur, Shiloh. <laughs> if Shiloh plays the greatest game of his career, they cover. But Oregon's a good football team, and in general, the Pac-12 is good. Uh, what I do want to alert you guys to is for that 2.30 slate, you guys better have a second TV or YouTube TV split screen. I'm not going to get into the next two, but you also have – Number 22, UCLA at number 11, Utah. And number 15, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. 2.30 between ABC, Fox, and CBS. You shouldn't be on your phone. You shouldn't be talking to anyone except the boys. Uh, You've got a great slate there. Moving on to another game in that same 2.30 slot covering alma maters. You have BYU at at Kansas. We just beat Arkansas at Arkansas. BYU just beat Arkansas in Fayetteville. They look good. Kansas looks good, except for this fluke game that happened in Nevada that I'm going to chalk up to just late night. It's late night. It's dark. Agreed. You're in Nevada. If Kansas comes out of this game with a decisive win – They are not in college football playoff contention, but they could possibly be in New York New Year's Six contention. Hey, man. You keep winning, no one's going to stop them. Yeah, and that's just how it goes. You keep going on down the list. At 6 o'clock, you've got Arkansas at LSU. Frankie's going to agree with me here. I don't know about Naswad. And this is a larger discussion about Pittman and what is happening in Arkansas. You're bringing up large things in the same sentence as Pittman? <laughs> yeah. is I should have known that this season was not going to go as I planned. 
There's a picture of Sam Pittman with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and his footballs are bigger than hers. Oh, oh my God. Kevin, you're getting censored on this. This is like this is like NPR. You're talking about Sarah Huckerby Sanders. I'll add uh, I'll add a nice I'll add a nice uh, bleep right there. Don't worry, Connor. All right, all right, thank you. Where <laughs> what's happening in Arkansas is we are told Sam Sam Pittman is probably a good recruiter. I'm not going to doubt that part, but we were told he was an offensive line guru. The worst part of our team is our offensive line right now. The Sam Pittman experience, if Arkansas goes 3-9 and nine this year, which is looking more and more likely by the day, not to mention the fact Arkansas is the toughest four-game schedule the next four weeks out of any team in college football, not ever, but one of the top toughest. It pains me to say this because I like Pittman. And I love the old cold beer and turn that jukebox on. I think the train is coming to a halt. Oh, no, but he's your phone background, Anthony. I know. And (laughs) everything about him is something you should love in Arkansas. But this week is going to be a test. I don't think that we make this call on if Arkansas wins or loses this game. But if Arkansas doesn't look competitive against LSU this week, you're going to start hearing Razorbacks calling for Sam Pittman's name. And you know what? I'm okay with that because there needs to be pressure on him. And he had he took us to the Outback Bowl, which was great. But we look at Sam Pittman, and a lot of times in Arkansas, we say that is the best we can do. That is not the best that you should expect out of your school, especially in a at a school like Arkansas that has a ton of resources. That's where I'm going to get there. At the same time as that game on Fox, you've got Oregon State, Washington State. And that's going to be a sad game. They're two great teams. You have a top 25 matchup. These schools are 38 weeks away, or they have 38 weeks between their final college football game they play this year and next year. They don't know what conference they're going to be in. Give me, give me both in the AAC. I would do unholy things. Uh, they're not going there today. The Northwest, <laughs> <Pac-12, laughs> today the Northwest and the Pac-12 had a conversation about making a 16-team league and having promotion and relegation and splitting it into two eight-team conferences. I'd be down. What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on in college sports right now? What's the deal with college sports? I don't know. All right, yeah. You you got anything for Tulane? (laughs) They're playing Nick uh, who Kate lost years ago. Don't have any, don't have any uh, hot takes on uh, – check, check who they're playing. Oh, they're playing Nichols State. Yes, I yeah, think it'll be fine. I, it's I a couldn't. in time. I'm not covering it. Tulane <laughs> Yeoman with a win. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, look, it's the same as last year. Tulane was probably never going to a college uh, playoff 
win, especially before they switch to 12 teams. Um, but what's very in the realm of possibilities is winning out the rest of this year and fingers crossed going to New Year's Six. Yeah, and I also realize I forgot to cover Vanderbilt or Kentucky at Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt is an enigma. And frankly, I think Kentucky's the better game or the better team. They're going to win. And I hope we get some better leadership down at Vanderbilt. Going to the last alma, I forget. Declan Shea finally graduated, so we got to cover Kansas State. Uh, who I think is actually on – nope, they play UCF this week in Manhattan. Ooh, that'll, be, that'll be a good game. You also skipped – It'll be good. You skipped Kansas State re- – Kansas State rebounds. Nebraska. That's oh. not his alma mater. I'm not covering that dog shit program playing Louisiana Tech. It – they're losing to Louisiana Tech in Lincoln. <laughs> you they really take, are. Uh, you got any take for Indiana? Indiana, this is another one. And I believe they they got Akron. Indiana wins. It may be an ugly win, but Indiana's going to beat Akron. They're going to beat the Zips. Final uh, alma mater you've got is USC at Arizona State. Okay. Uh, USC, have fun. You're a great program. You're probably making the college football playoff unless uh, we'll be there. No, unless the Pac-12 cannibalizes itself, which it's known to do. And I'll get into that later. But well, we got to get we'll into later. Later, we're like done. Well, where I was going to come into that was talking about the two marquee, the two marquee games of the day. But yes, you have. Dog, we're, number, the, we're past an hour and a half. Let's just uh, give me this. Are we covered or not? Let's. No, uh, we got we got two more games and a little bit else. Anyways, oh <laughs> all right. You're never getting your own segment again. <laughs> Anyways, you have 24 Iowa at number seven Penn State. Penn State walks out of here with a win. How many points does Iowa score? That is the question. That is going to be the question for every Iowa game the rest of the year. Iowa's offense is locked. Yeah. Yeah. They look, they're scoring just to score last week because they know they're not going to score the rest of the season, which is kind of embarrassing. But we go into the big game. Number six, Ohio State at number nine, Notre Dame. Whichever team wins this game will appear in the college football national championship. This may be the year for Notre Dame. Sam Hartwell looks like a competent, if not a great college quarterback. Notre Dame has not had that since Brady Quinn. Notre Dame has the possibility they do play USC in three weeks. But if Notre Dame can get through this game, I think even with a loss to USC, they're making the playoff. And I get it. Ohio State's been really quiet this year. So is the majority of the Big Ten. But where I was going into with this self-cannibalization, I think every conference right now, I don't want to say this is a repeat of 2007. 
But what you do have is the possibility of conferences self-cannibalizing themselves and not sending their best competition to the college football playoff. Alabama could win, could make an SEC title appearance with three losses this year. LSU is good. Auburn is good. They can get tricked up by Tennessee, by uh, jo- uh, not Georgia, uh, by Texas A&M, anybody else. The Big Ten, you've got Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota all look good. The Pac-12, you've got the two forgotten sisters plus USC and Utah looking good. The Big 12, Texas looks good. Kansas looks good. Oklahoma looks good. Kansas State's always going to be a thorn in any of those school sides. TCU is starting to look better. The ACC, yes, Clemson is down, but they're still decent. Florida State might be, yeah, they're probably going to win the ACC. It's with how many losses. Uh, And that covers the Power Five, which sucks. It's, well, it doesn't suck. It's what makes college football fun. And this is the last normal year we have of college football. So if I have a, if I have a challenge for everybody, it's just to genuinely enjoy what we're going to see over the next two and a half months, because we're not going to see it like this again. You're not going to see USC go into Pullman, Washington. You're not going to see Texas or Oklahoma come into Lawrence. You're not going to see what we have known and loved. And it's sad, but at the end of the day, that's the rub. And as we get to a 12-team college football playoff next year, we're going to have to see where it shakes out. Thank you for that, Cambo. Um, I want to end on this since from the number of college football. Uh, just want to share the joy that Frankie and I had at 2 a.m. when Frankie we had to wake up for uh, his his uh, his uh, flight in three hours, and Tamki oh, uh, was texting about the Colorado game, <laughs> and he was like, "Do not tell me you're rooting for Colorado right now." And I was like, "Why would I not be rooting for Colorado?" <laughs> and he said, "I don't even know where to start." And he said, this whole it's personal shit started by nonsense with Nebraska being on the field by disrespecting the Buffalo. And we were just <laughs> dying. And then he said, and then Shadir flashing his Rolex in front of a group of Nebraska players. I don't know why, but I I just, that was that was the funniest, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And we, we were, it was probably because it was 2 a.m., but just a visual of Will getting pissed off, opening up Twitter, <laughs> seeing Shador Sanders flash his Rolex at like a group of Nebraska players is just so funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that, that was, that was absurd. Not the, uh, Rolex flashing, but like, we'll taking such a big offense to it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Anyway, Cambo, thank you so much for joining us. It was a long one. Let's see how much Jack cuts. Knowing Jack, we're going to get the Snyder cut. Guys, it was a great pod. <laughs> have, a, have, have a great rest of your week. Good luck. And let's hope all us Owen twos get our first win. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I do want to end on this. I've had a last – past two weeks have been very rough for me, and we kind of said this at the 
Ozarks, but I am grateful for all of you. And I do want to thank you for, uh, thank you all for everything and being my friends and being supportive. I know this probably sounds weird on the pod, but it's the easiest way for me to get this message out vocally. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for being good friends and regardless of what happens this season, I'm glad to call you all my friends. Love you. I guys. love you. I love, love you, Anthony. Chef, and I, uh, we're here. For yeah. You. I, I don't think you could say it any better than that. Let's go hogs. And you know, let's just show love this next week. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's alright. Your